Thank you, sweetheart. No. Ah. There, there was a song that was very popular in the uh, 70s, late 70s, and the uh, coming into the early 80s, and uh, it almost had a country flair to it. But I don't know what you come to do, but I come praise the Lord. I don't know what you come to do, but I come praise the Lord. Does that sound country yes? I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Wow, praise God. That's what I come to do. But I'm going to pick up. I, I am amazed at how the Holy Spirit really sinks stuff because I don't share a carol what I'm preaching on for reason and purpose. It's not because we don't have good communication. But I like to watch this symphony of the Holy Spirit. I really do. The supernatural is not as mystical as people would, would think it. You know, Jesus was not... Uh, the different movies that have come out over the years, Jesus of Nazareth. That Jesus of Nazareth, I mean, it's a great story and everything else, but the guy looks weird. Yeah, and the guy's just like... It's just it's this mystical... And there's like almost no emotion, just this... But then there was one called Matthew, and it was the book of Matthew, and it was called the, the Laughing Jesus. It was a series that it was done. And you see Jesus in a whole different light. And in that particular version or rendition of, of the Lord and the disciples, it's absolutely Matthew, you know, the Gospel of Matthew, verse by verse. And it's lived out. But him, he's in that one. He's got this demeanor. He's just looking at everybody and just got this smile on his face when he's, except with the religious leaders. That's the only time that smile disappeared. And it was pretty interesting to me that to see the contrast. It was such a joy to see Jesus joyful. You know, instead of this mystical weirdo. And uh, Jesus, when he, when he, I mean, it showed all the stuff in Matthew where he healed the leper and everything else. And when he touches the leper, which was forbidden, and he touches the leper in that particular movie, the leper, you know, the, the way, of course, the movie does it, the skin that was, uh, and limbs that were compromised and everything else, that all of a sudden, boom, you know, he's perfect, and he's still got the leper clothes on him, and he runs up to Jesus, and Jesus embraces him, and they fall on the ground, and they're rolling, and he's laughing, and, you know, the joy of the miracle. Amen. Say joy of the miracle. When's the last time you had joy in your heart about you being the miracle you experienced? How about that? When's the last time we had joy unspeakable and full of glory, knowing that we've gone from darkness to light? That we are once, you know, the Bible doesn't say we are once in darkness. I, and amazing to me in Colossians, it says you, speaking to me, Ray Shannon, 
This is what the, wor- the word says. You were darkness in and of yourself. So I not only was in darkness, I was darkness. You know, that movie, uh, the TV series, The Walking Dead, I don't watch it. But isn't it true that anyone found with Christ, without Christ, that they are the walking dead? They're the living dead. Damned, if not saved. Amen? So we, you and I, we got work to do. It's not enough to be a pew sitter or neck watcher. He doesn't save us to just keep us, get us into a church and be comfortable. He saves us because he loves us and he has a plan for reproduction. And every born again believer in this place, God has purposed you and I to be reproducers of him and others. Now, how do you do that? How, how, is, how are human beings increased through seed? But through seed, in the natural, it's through the seed. Inseminated through the male. Amen? Well, God uses something else. When he circumcised, he calls all men and women, because there is no male and a female in Christ, every one of us have seed to sow. And that seed is the love of God that's been, is the source of the seed, is the love of God which has been shed abroad in our heart by the Spirit who's been given to us. But the vehicle of sowing seed is our tongue. Our tongue is the fruit-bearing progenitor of others. And there's something I, I was just so convinced. I, I, I'm, I'm endeavoring. I started two, two months ago on the gifts of the Spirit, and I haven't touched it yet. And I'm trying to get there, but uh, you know what? The Holy Spirit keeps taking me other places. And as I was looking over the message today, and and it was all about 1 Corinthians 12, and we may get there a little bit, just a few verses into it. But Carol just started praying something before, as she was getting ready just to pray for the anointing today. She didn't know where I was going in the scripture, and, and I just sit there and I'm marveling. When she's talking to you, the body, about the different gifts that are in the body. And little did she know that that's where I'm going. To talk about his gift in you. Everybody in here has not just one gift. You have multiple gifts in you. But some are highlighted. Some are more. And there, there is a gift that's at the forefront of seven gifts particularly. That are in every one of us. But each one of us are so unique. And there's something that God wants to restore back to the church, and that is the love for each other and the value for each other. Without judging and without condescending, without any condemnation, but just to love each other and realize we're all in the conveyor belt. Amen? The conveyor belt of being transformed from glory to glory. That's what God has, it's, it's his, his intention. And it's not just, it is by the word and the spirit, but guess what? Part of the way he shapes you and I is through the love of Christ in each other. Amen. When's the last time you called anybody in the church and said, you know what? I just want to pray with you or just, I, I, and, and, and out of a legitimate motivation, I just want to encourage you. You know, I have a scripture 
can I, can I ju- or just even pray for you? Well, wh- wh- why you, why you want to pray with me? Because I love, <laughs> very profound. I love you and uh, you came to my mind. I just want to pray with you. Amen? It's like, well, if God put you on my heart, there must be sin in your life and I just want to. <laughs> no, no. God put you on my heart. And maybe he just needs two or more to agree on. Is there anything you need agreement on? Hey? 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 Matthew 18, huh? I've been praying about this, and I haven't seen the result. You know, I just haven't seen it, and I I know it's God's promise, da-da-da. Well, hey, maybe two or more agree on anything and touch on it shall be done in heaven. Maybe we need a two. Now, listen, this is the unique thing. A husband and wives can do it in a home. Amen. Parents and children can do it. If the two become one, then I need a two. Sometimes we can pray for one another, but sometimes we the one. Oh, sorry, left hand. Sometimes we're the one. Because the two shall become one, and the one needs a two. Another couple, another agreement. Yeah, dead, dead. I'm not saying I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about two or more agreeing. It's one of the ways God put in His Word. Amen. See, I tell you what. You know, when you're going into different warfare, uh, there's different weapons that accommodate each theater of war. There's nothing like the big bomb. <laughs> Done. But it's not always expedient because innocent lives are taken. Amen? Sometimes you're in, you know, the special forces are trained to literally be able to not only disarm, but to kill an enemy with just their hands. It could be a knife, it could be a revolver. Amen? And police, the police used to have the freedom to use the different equipment that was given to them to subdue somebody that was out of line. Yeah. Right? Remember the old billy club? Yeah. Ouch. If it shifted into that gear and they laid you alongside your head, come on. Unless you're on PCP, that club's going to do a good job. And I'd rather have the club than the heater. If I was a wrongdoer. Amen. So there's different things and there's different things in scripture. A lot of times people are wondering, well, how come I'm standing on the word of God? And, and we've had different people saying, of course, the word never fails. Never. But the, the confessing the word may not be the only vehicle God uses to cause you and I to overcome a, a malady or a sickness or a disease. Or in this case. Pastor Carroll has a, an innocent accident that is very painful. Amen? Now, the devil didn't push her over. I said the devil didn't push her over. Are you listening to me? It was an accident. Say accident. Man, where's Psalm 91? How come Psalm 91? You know, it was an accident. The righteous shall fall seven times, but get up every time. Hallelujah. But this has been a little more painful, something so quick. I said to Carol last night, I said, isn't it amazing? One 
quick moment, in a moment, an accident can change your life for several months. And incur so through the rehab and everything else and this nerve reattaching, you know, it's painful. There's discomfort. Amen. But thank God, thanks be unto God who can minimize it. Amen. And uh, listen, well, glory. But the body was severed. You know, the, the nerve was. Now, this is interesting. The nerve was centered, severed, a nerve, a couple little arteries. No, this is going to work. Hold your arm up. Well, can you please just a moment? They all saw it. A tendon was severed and some muscle. I said that. A nerve. I said that. You're not listening. Come on, Pastor Carl. So the surgery had to be done to reconnect it. So what had happened was it was here where the thumb was almost severed. They had to go up into here because a tendon's like a rubber band. And then they had to fish it like an electrician does through conduit. They had to fish the tie onto the tendon and push it down and bring it out through the wound to find the other tendon and connect them and suture it. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that was Tim. <laughs> now, nerves are pretty interesting species. They can reconnect them, but they have to regenerate, and they do. They grow, I think he said, a quarter inch over so much time. But it's still very, you know, th th it's a nerve. And, um, but how many times does that happen in the body of Christ? Where somebody is, out, out, whether it be an attack of the enemy, just something in life where there's a suffering. There's a wound. Yeah, we, there's a lost world out here that needs the love of God. But Jesus said something that can be an, an encouragement to you and I, or it can be an indictment. It's the truth, nonetheless. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. By your love for one another. Now, I can tell you from now till the cows come home that I love you. And I would bring you a little bit of joy. But what does that mean? What does I love you mean? I'll keep you in my prayers. Don't call me. I'm too busy. But I love you. Don't be afraid, you can call me, and I'll be around. Now, love has action to it. Love communicates. Right? Love encourages. Love is patient, it's kind, and all the stuff that Paul talked about in Corinthians 13. I remember as a born-again Christian on construction in the pipe-fitting field, working with other Christians. 
And I, I'm tempted to write a book on this. If you're a Christian, I don't need to be one. I feel like doing a mini book. If you're a Christian, I don't need to be one. How many, anybody in here buy that? Let me know, let me get your orders now. And the point to that is, is that when I was working with men and they would be looking at women, Christian men who are married, looking at women walking down the street, if you're working in the city of Philadelphia, you know, you always have a plethora of people, and they'd be making comments like, woo, mm-mm, bam, check that out. And I said to him, I said, well, aren't you married? Yeah. Aren't you a Christian? Yeah. But it's okay to window shop. Hmm. I think the Bible said, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look at any maiden? Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Where are you on the scale? And I said to them, if you're saved, I don't need to be. What kind of witness are you for Jesus? What kind of testimony do you really have that the word of God and the change, you're a changed life? You're no different in the world. You just say you love Jesus. You just want to get your bacon out of hell. You got to make, you know, well, geez, brother, you know, you're really off in your doctrine. Hey, get yourself together, Ace. You talk, you just make it plain. Amen? I'm going to. I think. So I just felt like the Lord was just touching me today about before we even go into the gifts of the spirit, because think of the I want you to really think about it. I need you. God needs you to think about the messages that have been coming forth in this place for the past two months, particularly because there's something that he's building. There's something he's wanting to connect the dots. He wants you and I to have greater hope for who we are because of whose we are. He wants hope to increase in each one of our lives so that faith can be activated and be more employed in our lives. Because hope is the picture that creates the, you know, hope from the word of God gives you and I a picture of something to go after. It's a vision. Amen? Amen? And as I painstakingly trying to get into the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and the first message as I approached this, remember? What was it? Take off the grave clothes. Pastor Carroll was today and like, ha, ha, just go, ha, ha, ha. And all of a sudden, our flesh man says, I don't like being controlled, and I don't want to be told what to do. That's not God. Well, wait a minute. There's two. No, no, it's not it's there. If you're sitting there and you had that thought, that's your flesh. Well, I don't like being manipulated and I don't want to be controlled. Well, let's see. If Jesus said, ha, ha, hey, disciples, I want you to do something by faith. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. What in the world is he having us doing that for? Do it again. Ha, ha, ha. If you love me, keep my word. Okay, Lord. I don't, 
Lord, what's the deal? Just ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You got something going here, don't you? You and the Holy Ghost really want to try to snooker me, don't you? <laughs> What's it take? It takes faith that your leader's being led by the Spirit of God. Well, those are my sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We don't need a leader. Really, we'll just tear out those pages of Scripture. Well, Ephesians 4 ministry just got ripped out of the Bible and thrown away. Ha ha. Ha-ha. Ha-ha-ha. Ha-ha-ha. I mean, you should be snapping on that like white on rice. Ha! Ha! Glory to God. Amen. It's just a pew. See, I believe you're anointed. I believe you're called to help equip me. There comes a spit. I believe it. Glory to God. So I'm ready to do what God wants me to do in the corporate setting. So you got a life. Say, I have a life. You're an individual, unique in the body of Christ, but God also has a corporate thing that he loves to do. And in the corporate setting, he begins to mess with our box. Because the corporate setting isn't to be just a feel-good, get-me-fix club. It's a place to be equipped for the work of ministry. Hallelujah. Any work of ministry that the Father wants done through you. Well, I'm an introvert. Guess what? You're a Holy Ghost anointed introvert to do good works of the Father. Well, I'm an extrovert. God, glory to God. You're called to be an extrovert to do the works of the Father. I remember, you know, Carol, you were talking about in in the Joe Jordan meetings. They were just common. The anointing. You know, it's funny. Joe, (laughs) Joe Jordan always said, All I ever wanted was a dignified healing ministry. That's all he wanted. And he was real, sincere. And he ended up, God ended up moving in his meetings with people getting drunk in the spirit. Laughing hilariously. Falling out, like Pastor Carl said. I'm an eyewitness of this. Miss Prim and Proper, word of faith is crisp. She was crisp. You know, I mean, she... You know, every hair was in place. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God just wiped her out. I just watched her time after time. She she tried to get up in her chair. Back down. Well, honey, I don't have to try to get you off your horse. God knows how. Hallelujah. Not that she ever had that problem. But God was setting us free. From what? Routine. From religious ideology. There's a book back there that says that the, uh, which one is it of Joe's books? The Colorful Side of God. Hallelujah. They're back there. If you want one, you can have one. They're back there. Take the Colorful Side of God, and guess what? You may get introduced to a side of your father. Hey, did you guys know every side of your parents in the natural Guess what? Your parents had many sides. They, amen. Amen. And I'm talking about, let's think of all the sides that are good. Not the, you know, nothing of the gruff stuff. But God has many sides. But religion puts him in a box and limits him. 
Because religion, listen, religion wants to control God. That's what religion wants to do. It wants to control, name their God, decide their God's boundaries, etc., etc. And Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I haven't brought you again into, to be a slave. I didn't save you to become a slave again. I've come to set you free and free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when I think of the, a lot of the expression of, think about it in the world. In the world, there are people who have great giftings and graces. The Jesus movement, all of a sudden, these great rock stars were coming out of the hellishness of rock and roll and bringing it into the kingdom. They brought their gifts and their talents into the kingdom of God, and all of a sudden, it was... Jesus is the Lord. You know, instead of the Almond Brothers, I've been run down. I've been lied to. And I don't know why I let that mean woman make me a fool. She took all my money, wrecked my new car. Uh, get back. In the grave. All my brothers. But they got saved and they brought that music into the kingdom. And all of a sudden, a culture. There was a, such a culture shift out of the hippie movement. For what? To damn souls. Then God reaches into the culture and says, no! I'll be your king. I'll set you free. And I'm going to take what you enjoyed and make joy for me. And he takes a, amen. Now listen, there's some stuff today. Danny, our grandson, you know, last week after church at the end when everybody's almost out and he gets, I'm like, oh my God. I know he's saved. He loves Jesus. But there's a culture out here. I don't know nothing they're saying, but they're talking, they're singing about the Lord and Jesus, but people are hearing. There's a, a remnant, a culture that's saying, oh man, yeah, I don't have to listen to drug, sex, and rock and roll. This guy's singing about Jesus. I don't know. Now listen, tongues and interpretation, it happens in some of this music. I don't think they know it. No, I'm kidding. You have to have interpretation to understand what they're singing. I mean, I don't get it. Well, praise God, I'm not supposed to. God gets it. Amen. Oh, go to Hosea 4, verse 6, please. Hosea 4, verse 6. And by the way, we are, uh, Mark and Nancy Gezerick have opened up their home and their property for a time of celebration today, and that's a two, correct? Everybody in the church is invited to go and have some fun and fellowship, and there's a hayride, and glory to God, and they're anticipating a bonfire and s'mores and doggies and stuff like that. Hallelujah. I got quiet in here. Glory to God. Hosea chapter 4. Verse 6. Now listen. Let's look at this. And it's actually the very first part of the verse. Let's read it together. Just the first sentence. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
I don't care what version you go to. Oh, that's King James, but they all say the same thing. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, there's a contextual setting that this is being expressed in. It's with the nation. But there's a principle here. My people perish. They are destroyed. Another translation says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being a priest for me. Now, let me just say this. This isn't to a specific priest. God called Israel to be a kingdom of priests and kings unto their God. Amen? The nation of Israel was that, to, to witness to the world a priesthood to God Almighty in their worship and their sacrifices. But they had backed off. But the principle, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Not by him. They're not destroyed by him for the lack of knowledge. Life itself and the devil destroy people for a lack of knowledge. Now, he didn't say, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being a priest for me. Please, please. I know you hear it in this house often, but have a resolve. I, I can't live without getting in the word. If you, you have to change the way you think to gain knowledge. Now, there's a lot of good knowledge about life, but that's not the knowledge he's talking about here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of who I am. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge of what I desire for them, what I have provided for them, of how to live life in a wise way on a daily basis, how to overcome. How to really put to work something in a promise that I've revealed in my scripture. The enemy may come in one way, but guess what? He won't have to flee seven. And it's not because God's just rebuking him. It's because I so desire you to have the knowledge of how to tell that devil to get out of your life and get off your territory. Amen. Amen. We gave a good illustration last week when Pastor Tim was ministering on the... Uh, uh, what was it last week, Tim, on the foundation of Scripture? On the simple truths of Scripture, the foundational teachings? But something along that line, and the importance of growth. Thank you for it, growing up spiritually. You and I need to be equipped in all the affairs of life, how to deal with situations. And I was saying that last week. If... If you only have the knowledge of Hebrews 6, introductory teaching, they're all good. Laying hands on the sick, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Amen. A lot of good stuff in there. And that's foundational. But if you lack knowledge of how to deal with the enemy, you're going to have to reason with the devil as he tried to reason with Eve in the garden. 
That's what he did. Hath God said. You all remember that? He had, she had authority over that servant until she became mesmerized by it. Isn't it interesting that snakes have that ability of hypnotizing? I just wanted to get close enough to get, <coughs> give them a free stooges right in the eye. <coughs> Do not reason with the devil. And last week, I just felt so prompted to share that. What do you do when we're looking at the scripture of foundation that God's been laying in your life and my life this past couple, this past couple months? John 14, the works that I do, you shall do also because I go to my father and greater works you will do. Come on. Well, how do I get to the greater works? What are some of the greater works? Mark 16, in my name, you will cast out devils. That's a great work. That's a great work, casting the devil out of somebody. or well, whether, whether it's out, off, regardless. Get it out of somebody's life if there's a demon festering them. Amen? I like what Randy Clark said. He said, there's so much division in the body. Christians can't have a demon. You know, well, whether it's in, on, or around, get rid of it. That made sense. I said, yeah, I'm in on that. I like that. I like that translation. Amen? Well, I'll tell you what. We give the devil too much. We give the devil room in our lives. We do because of a lack of knowledge. Then he's so, just like that frog deal. If you throw a frog in hot water, it'll jump right out. But if you put it in room temperature water and just slowly turn it up, what happens? Its blood boils and eventually it dies. You can have knowledge and not use it. You can know you have authority over the devil and yet not use it. So what happens? You end up destroyed. God's not with impressed with how much you and I know. How about that for a an amazing fact. He's blessed when he sees our desire and he sees our, our desire to grow in, in him and love him. Know him. Amen? To know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. You know, you know the deal? When a king triumphed over another king, that king they would kill all the you know the warriors but then they would take the king and have a chain around him and they would parade him through the city to show the victory and jesus did that with the devil hallelujah, hallelujah. let me parade you through hell and just show you what occurred here show your buddies <laughs> you thought you beat me on the cross <laughs> and what did paul say if the devil knew that what was going to happen he never would have crucified jesus <laughs> you talk about a cedron headache number 2000 jesus was like cedron headache billions and trillions and skillions because it wasn't just jesus that rose from the dead he was the firstborn of many brethren then all of a sudden the first message preached there's 3000 of these christ christians now 
The one became 3,000, or 120 became 3,000. We got 3,120 folk on the first day of the church is born. Hallelujah. You talk about the devil was freaked out. He was freaked out. Then they start speaking this weird language. You know what? The devil knew where the language was from. But he didn't understand the translations. I'm telling you what. That's why the Bible says we have the, the tongues of angels and men. What a manifestation of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But you and I have been given a gift that in the face of all hell, we can pray in tongues by the gift of, the, of God to do what? Build yourself up on your holy faith. Jude 20. Pow! It's happening. It happens when you pray in tongues. Well, I don't feel like I'm Superman. Boom! It's not about you. It's about that spirit man on the inside of you. The real you. Don't reason this thing. Faith it. Glory to God. Anybody in here think that speaking in tongues is important? I'll tell you what. It's, it's essential. Now, God's not limited to not use the gifts of the spirit in you and through you. Without a great tongue prayer life. But I'll tell you what, praying in tongues is going to make you a more ready vessel to flow in the gifts of the Spirit to anyone at any time. Amen. Now, I'm going to, what time is it? All right, I'm going to go here real quick. <coughs> in the first church we helped plant, I just have to comment about this a little bit. At that time in that season, 1980, late 70s, there was a lot of Satanism activated, active in this area. A lot of it. Kids were being coming into Satanism and witchcraft by hordes. Because the supernatural was exciting. The supernatural was offering something to them. And the devil said, you know, people were disillusioned with Christendom. People were disillusioned with church. Why? It's not supernatural! Now, they don't know this. I'm a spirit being. I crave for the spirit world. See, nobody's going around doing that. Why? They put you in a white suit and put you in all your way. But what the real spirit, our spirit man, our spirits, humankind around us, their spirit is hungering and desiring to encounter and experience and live out the spirit experience. So when Christendom doesn't bring them into a knowledge of it, they're destroyed and they're pulled into another spiritual encounter. 1-800-Psychic-Hotline. Call me and I'll tell you. You're the... <laughs> Do you guys even have a clue of how the psychic realm works? The psychic realm. The spirit world. Why do so many people, Christians, go into psychics? For an answer. Yes. They're going to psychics for an answers. Whether it be publicly or on the phone. They're looking for supernatural guidance. 
and they're not getting it in the churches. Come on. Albert. Sit there, please. I need a familiar spirit. Dennis? <laughs> I'll let your wife be the familiar spirit. Come on up here, Lisa. Okay. Yes. I'm not picking this up in the Holy Ghost, by the way. But then. But oh, you're a familiar spirit. Now, you, you're not aware of this essence and this presence. But this familiar spirit, God said in his word, I will visit the iniquity of fathers to three and four generations. How does that happen? Because there's a familiar spirit assigned to family trees. Familiar spirits are familiar with your family tree. Why? Because they don't die. They move on from one generation to the next generation. Are you all here? That's why you see this thing. Psychologists say it. You can see if the grandfather was a drunkard, more than likely grandpop's going to be, father's going to be a drunk. And more than likely the kids, as much as they hate it, they end up drinking. Come on. Why? Because this one is trying to keep the vision in front of them. Albert comes to the psychic. Uh, actually, he comes to a psychic. He's sitting here. The psychic's out here. And Albert wants answers. You all hear? You're looking. Albert wants answers because he's not getting them. He's not finding it in the church. The gifts of the Spirit aren't operating in the presence of God, the voice of God. He doesn't even know how to hear the voice of God, so he's wanting to hear something. Are you all here? So he comes to the psychic. Now, he doesn't know that this familiar spirit that's been assigned to his family tree is buffeting him. Not in him, buffeting. But in the psychic's office, room, whatever else, the demon assigned to the psychic's ability to read people's mail is a sergeant. This familiar is a private. This one, working with the psychic, are you with me, is a sergeant in the spirit. So this private demon has to give information, whatever I want that thing to do, that spirit's got to cooperate with me. Or it's going to answer to the general. Are you with me? The demons hate each other, but they understand authority. So now Albert says, you know, uh, he just comes in and says, you know, um, I, I, I just really would like you to read my mail. I, I need to know what's ahead for me. What's ahead for me? Familiar spirit communicates to sergeant. Private begins to reveal to sergeant things about his present or his past. Are you with me? Then I communicate it through thought to the psychic. 
And the psychic begins to read his mail. And he's what? Oh, he's, me- he's in awe. He's memorized. mesmerized. How could you know such things? Right? God gave me the gift. Now where, when he's done with this session with the psychic, where's his faith going to be? Come on, everybody. With what spirit world? Darkness. Okay. Even if the darkness told the, told, told the truth. Why, do you have scripture and verse for that? Yeah, I do in the book of Acts. The woman with the spirit of divination was following Paul and the other one and said, these men are preaching the gospel of, of salvation. She said the right thing, but she had the wrong motivation and she was of the wrong spirit. She was filled with demons. Saying the right thing. I don't know how in the world we got here today. And it's interesting. Now we're talking about the gifts of the spirit. Right? Paul was, do you believe Paul was anointed? He flowed in the gifts of the spirit. He flowed in all the gifts as, as the spirit willed and, and released them through him. But this woman was following them, the Bible says, for days. It wasn't just a snap, crackle, pop, rice, crispy deal. It wasn't just like, you know, this, this woman's vexing me. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. No, he couldn't do that. She was vexing him. And how was she vexing him? She was following with her amongst the people of whom she was esteemed as a fortune teller. Now she's given fortune that is absolutely true about Paul and his posse, right? But Paul's irritated. And it says for days. Now he's irritated. He, there's something about this woman. She's not of the right spirit, but he's not even empowered by the Holy Ghost to deal with it until the Holy Spirit reveals the deal. Then the Bible says he turned and that spirit and finally like the Holy Spirit revealed what the deal was. And he said, come out of her in Jesus name. Boom, that demon came out and she lost her gift. That devil was the controlling spirit. It was a sergeant assigned to her. Are you with me? So in the late 70s and 80s, the psychic fairs were here. We shut down a mall in Glen Oaks. There was the Glen Oaks Mall. And we had a Bible study over across the street. And we met 5 or 30 every morning. And in the name of Jesus, because they had psychic fairs, they would conduct them there. In the name of Jesus Christ, we take authority over that spirit of witchcraft. You will not be in Camden County. You're not going to be in Glendora in the name of Jesus Christ. We cast you out in Jesus' name. We began to pray that way. Are you with me? What happened? The mall shut down. We didn't want the mall to shut down. We wanted the fair to shut down. But the mayor worked with us. She read a book. This present darkness by, what's his face? Peretti, Frank Peretti. It was such a, re- a revealing thing of what actually happens. She read that book and she said, Pastor Shannon, please, I need you to pray for me. She said, I'm giving it everyone on the council because there was such an epidemic of witchcraft in Gloucester Township at that time. And I, I, because <sighs> I was threatened by the witches in that mall. We had Catherine Baxter in, who had the experience of going to hell. And we had flyers. And Carol went in, get shoes, look at shoes. 
And I went in, and the psychic fair's there, and I thought, well, I went up to the psychic fair and to the, the, head, right, the head table. Mary Chu, Chu's Landing, of that generation. Mary Chu is the head witch in South Jersey at that time. Who? Head witch. At one time. <clears throat> I walked up to the table and I said, she said, what are you doing here? Duh. I was born at night, but it ain't last night. <laughs> they, it was a, an instant <laughs> in the spirit. And I thought, dear God, I got one now. I felt like Shambaco. And I said, I would like to invite you and your staff to a meeting we're having. I'm inviting a bunch of psychics to Mary Catherine. And she said, we don't, we're not interested. And I opened up the flyer because we did it in red on purpose so that it looked like hell. I said, I want to invite you to this meeting. And she said, we have our own religion. And her and their psychic witch stood up in front of me. And they said, your days are numbered. And I went, I'm going to be around here a long time. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And I just, Carol and I hooked up. We walked down to another store. I, I can't, I found you. Yeah, you had left the shoe store. She was doing the woman thing. They followed you. They followed you to that store. And I looked out and I saw them. I was ready to walk out right to them and say, what did you say to my husband? <laughs> and it's like, and you stopped me because I had this dress on that I was trying on. You're going to get buzzed when you walk out the door. <laughs> yeah. But they looked, they looked at you and me, and then they, they left. But the threat was there, and we told the mayor that they, what she said, she said, I'm going to investigate this. Shortly after, the mayor died. No, no, a year, a year later. Okay. But it was a direct result of that. Yeah, the connecting and all that. Listen, in the, you have authority in the spirit world and in the heavens. But you have to understand something. There is an enemy that has authority as well. And quite honestly, it's a, this, is, this is changing, and this is good news. But until recently, maybe the last decade, Satanists were more serious about intercessory prayer than the church was. You've heard it in the news. Witches globally have united that once a month they're playing for the downfall of President Trump. Are you, are you all aware of that? Global, not just nationally, globally, they're coming into an, a, a pact to curse Donald Trump and this presidency, to see him removed from office. But the good news is what God has established, no man can undo. But I'll tell you what, it's a fight. It is a fight. Now, and I, I, said, I don't know why I felt to go that way today. Except to say, we're being equipped. Yes. See, we have to be aware that 
Your spirit longs for the supernatural. It does. Your spirit, our spirits long for the presence of God, for the pure, the right, and the holy, the just. But there's a world outside here and he, that desires to keep humanity in an encounter with supernatural things. And you and I have a fight. So a prayer, oh, by the way, tomorrow night, Tuesday and Wednesday, this is our first three days of the month, prayer from 7 to 8. Let's hit it. Because there's a battle that has to be won, and the church has to do its job. Amen? Amen? Well, guess what happened this month? Yeah, about this? Okay. God has just anointed me to minister that to people, and people just easily flow in that. It's, it's just an anointing. But I want to say this. Um, and I've watched him with people that have had um, demonic spirits. And I just kind of back up because the authority that comes on him to help cast that devil out so that person can be free. And, um, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that, like, you know, but when we minister to person, it's, it's not like that. But like to that demon, <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He tried that one time, you know, and it just didn't work. Him and, him, him and another minister that travels worldwide, it was our first time deliver, uh, ministering in, in deliverance in, for a person. You know, there's no such thing as a deliverance ministry. Let's get that straight. It's the ministry of Christians to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Come on. Come on. You know, um, we'll, we'll see the recovery. I'm seeing the recovery. I want to tell you about this. I'm seeing the recovery of my hand. Is there still pain, like, in the nerve endings and all that? Yes, there is. And, um, but little by little, it's, it's, it's coming along. And they tell me it's four months of therapy. And, man, I can understand why it's four months of therapy. I, you know, I can take – can you hold this, hon? I can take my thumb, my thumb, and I can easily go here. I have to literally pull my thumb down to there. And when I – first week he told me to do that, when I came back, like I saw him two times, the therapist, when I came back, I had it down there. And he went, that's amazing. He said, usually, he told me afterwards, because he was really working me, you know, to see how much more I could do, but not to go past the limit to d do any damage. So he said, most people only can go, they can, I don't know if you can see me, they can only take their thumb and go like this, that far. And I, I could take it, I have to take it down to here. And if I try to do it on my own, it might only get to here, there, right now. now. So it's recovering, and I pray, and I talk. Fun, it's in my mouth. I, I talk. I talk to it, you know, with the word. And um, but there's other things that he does. But you know what's so neat? Every person we sit at the table, right? And John is on the other side. And I found out this week that John. Even doctors over in Pennsylvania Hospital and University of Penn will say, you live in Jersey, go to John. And they give his last name. I, I don't know what it is. And they tell him to look him up and go to him. He's the best hand rehab. He's the best hand rehab. 
person. And he's been in the business for 27 years. So I tease him a lot. I'm on his case a lot, you know, because the first time we met, he yelled at me, and I yelled right back at him. And he just looked at me like, you know, like, all right. And, and, and so it, it's just, we just kid around the whole time. So there was this man that came in, and he was probably in his 70s, and he broke his hand by riding a bike with his granddaughter. And the only thing he could do, he, he broke, most of them are breaking them at the wrist in accidents, having plates put in, having their bones shattered, all this stuff. And he has his hand on a towel, and he said, I just want you to move it like this, back and forth, just like that. And you could tell it was really hurting him in pain. I could tell he was more afraid of the th therapy, the fear that was there, you know. When you were so used to just doing whatever you wanted to do before, you know, and now all of a sudden you can't do this. And so it's like, and I felt the compassion of God for him, you know. And I looked at him and I said, and I, I started out and saying, is John taking care of you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, watch him. I said, he's a real stinker. And he, and he looks at me like, I said, no, he's really good. And then I, and I said, how's your, and he told me about his hand. And I said, wow. I said, that must have really hurt. And um, he said, it did. And um, we're moving along. And he, he looks at me, he goes, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. And he goes, is John, is he really good? And I said, he's, John's standing behind me. And I know he can hear what we're saying. I said, don't tell him I said this. I said, he is good. I didn't say that. And I said, he's really, really good. And I, I'm able to just sit there and talk to them and get them, like, and bring joy, just kidding around and just joy. And then they loosen up and you can see it, you know, and all of this. And then John comes over and tells them, do this. And then they start doing it. And I said, how's that feel? And he goes, that feels better. And I said, I'm telling you, he knows his stuff. And I said, what's your name? And they tell me their name. And I said, I'm going to keep you in my prayers. I said, I'm going to pray that God quickly heals your arm, Amen. you know, or heals your wrist, something like that. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, send the word forth and they shall recover. And all I want to say is this. I want to put you on a, a good note, you know, because of casting out demons and all that and the mayor. She's a wonderful person, and they named a school after her and all. And um, But she got a hold of something that, um, you know, she didn't have uh, – she taught in her Sunday school, but she really probably didn't have a lot of knowledge about authority realm. in the spirit realm, you know. And um, and there was a, a sickness that happened. She got pneumonia. I, I I don't know what all the sickness was, but she got she did get pneumonia. But whatever they did, they they over medicated her, and I think it was a medication that um, took her out. But behind that, we know that there's demonic entities behind that. It was just like this, and it was so sudden. And um, the thing is, and we don't want to look for demons behind every bush. I want to say that because a lot of things is stuff that we just do ourselves, you know. And when you're walking in the fullness of God and praying in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues, I'll tell you, the, the Lord will let you know when that there's a demon or something like that sure that's, that's involved in all that. But the good news is this, is that Jesus gave us authority over all of this. Yeah, he did. And he wants us to go about and do the good works. And he wants us to say good things to people Amen. and let them know that they are truly loved by Jesus. 
I think that's the most important thing, you know, that we are that people know that they are loved by Jesus. I don't care who it is. Right. You know, I, I, you guys know the story, and I'm going to end with this, all right? I promise I'm okay. ending with this. But when we went over to the lighthouse for our outreach on Christmas, and remember when we used to go into that other, the church? I know they're giving me a one-minute sign back there. We go into the church. <laughs> that, that makes me laugh, guys. <laughs> I know. It's my kids. <laughs> and and we, go in, we went into the church, and, all, and we're dressed in costume form, and I'm thinking, dear Jesus, he's probably having the biggest laugh of his life, like enjoying this. Here's Santa. Here's the camel. Here's the donkey. Everybody's dressed up. You know, the shepherds, all this are dressed up. And all of a sudden, on the platform, it, you, know how, you know how the lighthouse, how the play goes, you know, and we have salvation and a prayer for salvation. Well, all of a sudden, there's words of knowledge for people who have this wrong, that wrong, this wrong, that wrong, and people are coming forward to it. Well, the only one who could pray for him was the donkey, the camel, Santa, and all these different ones in the costume. And people, zero minutes. True story. And this is a true story. And there was a Muslim who came up to me. Now, I wasn't dressed in a costume. But he came up to me, and I asked him, I said, what, what's, what is wrong? What do you need prayer for? And he said, well, I'm a Muslim. And I said, you are? I said, well, Jesus loves Muslims. Did you know that? I said, he loves you. And I said, he wants to heal you. I said, what's wrong? And he told me about his back. For, for years and years, he was in a bad accident. And for years and years, he went to doctor's therapy and all this. And I prayed for his back. And instantly, he was healed. Instantly, he was Hallelujah. healed. And he looked at me, and he filled up with tears. And I told him to do bend over, do this, do that. And he had no pain, and he filled up with tears. And he says, but I'm Muslim. And I said, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is God and he loves you. And there he received salvation and he started to attend. Listen, when we move in the gifts and in love, you know, don't look at people to try to discern what's so what's wrong with them and all that. I used to do that kind of stuff, you know, like the Lord showing me something about that person. And I'd walk up to him like this, you know, real serious and all this. I think it's, it's you know what, there could be a demon there. There could be something there. But you know what, when you walk up to them in the love of of Jesus, you know? I mean, I've had people around me that irritated me too, just like Paul, and I couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, God gave it to me, and it was like, and it was taken care of, you know, just like that. I've sat with Satanists in their kitchen, and they asked me if I was afraid of them, and I said no. My husband stayed with me, and I told him to leave. And I, and he finally, finally, he left because he was irritating this person that I was meeting with. It was a woman. And I sat with her and she started out and she started saying to me, she said, aren't you afraid of me? I said, why should I be? Aren't you afraid what I could do to you? She threw men around, two big men in the air, threw them around, threw furniture and all that. And I said, why should I be? And she said, but I could hurt you. And I said, but you won't. I said, you know why? I said, because I know somebody who really loves you. And some, you have a messed up, you have a messed up life. And you didn't ask for it. And I said, there were things that happened to you as a child that led you to here. And I said, and I know somebody that I want to introduce you to that loves you and will heal you. 
and set you free from all of this. See, it's a whole different thing when you go in and you minister to people that way. So that's, that's, that's what I want to say, and, I, and ending with that. Love is the most powerful. Delivering people out of love is so intensely powerful. The compassion of Jesus, to have his compassion. Steve, I'm going to tell you something. God is going to rock you, and you are going to come into the fullness that he has for you. And I'm going to tell you something. There's hope in your future. There is such extreme hope, and God has not abandoned you whatsoever. The search is over, and you are in his will, and he's going to reveal so much to you. Amen? Amen. The ministry to people is so intensely important. We're here to give people hope and a purpose. And, Steve, you're going to minister out of that. The word of God is going to be rich in you, the knowledge of the word. And I just see teaching all over you to teach others, helping others. And I see you also helping a lot of I know it's not just because God's neither male nor female, but I see a strength that you have in you. That's just, it's like God's going to anoint that strength, and it's going to help other men. Praise God. And to strengthen men. And God's hand is on you. Don't ever think he removed anything or took anything away or it's not there. It is. And the increase of this anointing is going to increase and increase the more you study and study that word because of what's ahead. And it's going to be so rich, very rich. You know, we touch one person, everybody. Listen, we touch one person. Either you get on board. Ryan, God wants you totally on board, totally on board, saturated saturated in the word, saturated in his glory, saturated in his love, saturated in him, so that you can be a witness and a blessing and a help and a pillar in this church and, and, and being strong in everything. And this is for every one of us. Val, stand up and hold your shoulders back. Keep that smile smiling. Even when there's tears, smile big. He catches every one of your tears. And he's going to use every one of them to be a blessing. He's heard the cry of your heart, the ache of your heart, the agony. And yet God is good. And he's provided. I, I look at what, where you were and where you are now and the steps, and I go, dear Jesus, you have so provided for her. Well, guess what? There's more on its way. There's so much more on its way. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Absolutely. And you start laughing. Forget about it. Look at the kids and just start laughing. You know, and um, God is good. 
stand, stand strong and get involved here. Yeah, not, not the one behind you. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Serve with all your heart because you've got a lot to give. A lot to give. And one thing, I like you because you're a real kidder. And the Lord likes that too. And it lightens people's hearts. It does. The humor, the kidding. Yeah. Well, when you get back here. <laughs> Are you kidding? Well, you're not going to Africa? Oh, okay. Get involved. Be, be, be the man and person who you are because in you there's graces, there's gifts that God needs to move through you, and we need it, you know? We need it here. Your whole family, huh? Ex- ex- exactly. Oh, come on. All right. There he is, the kidding. I'm not laughing. Mm. <laughs> Bless, bless the eagles, though, for what God's doing with them spiritually, you know. I'm a Dallas fan, but I, I'm a Christian first. Yeah, well, glory. I need Elena and the kids. Hey, let's thank the Lord for the ministry there a moment, guys.